Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, folks, today, uh, in this episode, we've got a real treat, I think. Uh, Ellen Finkelstein is uh, my guest. And Ellen is uh, one of uh, only 18 people in the United States that uh, Microsoft has designated as a uh, um, PowerPoint MVP professional. And this is a big deal in the context of what we're going to be speaking about today, because what I wanted to do with today's episode is really get granular about how do you execute on ideas? How do you actually get the message across in a way that people can embrace it and run with it so that you're getting the results that you want as elegantly as you possibly can? And by elegant, I mean minimizing unintended consequences, and the pushback, the, mis you know, the, the drop balls, I mean, all of that kind of stuff. So... Um, Ellen, I want to just welcome you, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to weave in your yeah, yeah, very impressive CV here as we yeah, kind of talk uh, over the course of this uh, 30 minutes or so, but I want to just welcome you to the show. Thank you very much for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Blaine. I'm thrilled. <laughs> Good. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to you know, jump in here with the, the question that I'll typically ask, because I think it's germane to where we're going to end up going for the rest of the program. When you hear the term the soul of business, what does that bring up for you? I think that it, it depends on how big the business is and where you are in the business, but a business has to have a purpose. A business has to have a reason for existing. It has to solve a problem. And so, and that problem, especially if you're a manager or the, the CEO or something like that, that purpose has to be in line with your values. So you have to connect, you have to, they can't be at odds for each, with each other. So for example, I would find it hard to work for a company that, um, you know, that, that damaged the earth in some way or maybe one that created weapons or something like that, because those would be my values. And so I couldn't, the soul of the business would be at odds with what I'm feeling, but the soul, soul. Yeah. The soul of, yeah. So, so the soul of, of, of a business though need is, is what problem you're trying to solve, why it exists and people in the business need to be aligned with that purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, I came across, a, you know, I, I love Peter Drucker. Uh, just, <laughs> he's been around a long time. He's been around a long time. Um, there's, and one of the things that he said a long time ago is that there is nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. <laughs> and I find in organizations that there's a lot of stuff that shouldn't be being done, but people will default to them because it's an easy thing to do. They know how to do it. 
And that, I think, is one of the largest challenges that a, that a leader or a manager in an organization actually runs into is how do we get people to do something different sometimes? And part of the breakdown, in my experience, is how people will craft a narrative that is compelling so that people that they're speaking with can go, oh, I see that possibility. Now let's go do something with it. That possibility is intriguing to me. And you know, everybody's heard about death by PowerPoint. So yeah, yeah you, your, your whole focus is on life by PowerPoint. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I have a, a slide where I take a dead tree and I fade it into a, a, life, a live tree, a live uh, evergreen tree. There's a famous cartoon online of somebody speaking to a whole bunch of people and he's saying, who wants change? And everybody's raising their hand, you know, I want change. And then the next square of the cartoon is, who wants to change? And it's like, you know, nothing, crickets. And so I think it's that narrative. I think it's that inspiring people that, that in order, if we want change, then we have to change. We have to do things differently. And, and you're right, death by PowerPoint doesn't do that. And PowerPoint in itself doesn't do that either. I think that when, if you're, if you're speaking to a large enough group of people that you feel like you need slides or there's enough d data that you want, or you know, there's some things that you wanna put on slides, that has to always be secondary. And so you want to first figure out what your message is, where your people are at, and then how you're gonna bring those people to where you want them to be so that you can bring about the change that you want. And when you figure out that message, then if you're using slides, you, you know, I'm a big fan of using images, graphic images. There's certainly a lot of research that shows we pay more attention to images than to text. And when you put all the text you're saying on the slide and use it like a teleprompter, people just read the slide and they don't listen to you that, you know, they're pretty much ignoring you. So, you know, images that either help people understand or help people remember, help people feel, you know, help persuade people, help invoke the emotions that you want them to experience, help show them where we're going to go and what that's like. So that in that in that way, slides can help inspire people. But you need to focus on your message first and then just don't ruin yeah. it with death by PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> and then don't ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been my experience that most most managers, most leaders, you know, particularly uh, folks that have been seasoned. I mean, they, they're actually uh, you know, in position for a while here. They're pretty clear internally about what they'd like to have happen externally. But there's, there seems to be a signal-to-noise component. Signal, the signal-to-noise ratio oftentimes is too high. Yeah, they don't find a way to connect with their audience. They don't find a way to shape, and this is my term for it, but how do you shape the listening of the audience so that they're receptive to the message? And if I'm understanding you correctly, they've got to start with themselves first. I've got to shape the message myself before I even have a ghost of a chance of getting it out there. So I think a good way, even before that, if possible, it depends on the situation, is to get some feedback and to listen to the audience, whether it's a survey or you're asking individual, speaking to individual people, depending whether you're speaking to the public or private people, you know, depending, but just getting some feedback of where people are at so that you know that your message is resonating with them and you know what their objections might be and what feelings they might have that, that might be a, a block between you getting your message across. And I think that's that whole thing of listening to people and being empathetic to their side is, is really 
really important. Stephen Covey said something like, you know, seek to understand before you before you uh, before you seek to be understood. Seek to, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's right. Seek to understand. Yeah. 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 yeah when people yeah. are thinking about communication, yeah, I mean, they, there's two pieces to communication. I mean, I'm going to be very simplistic with this. There's the the speaking part. There's the delivery, and then there's the listening. Right. The listening right. is not something that people pay attention to when they're looking at how they're going. Yeah. You know, what's the message I want to get out there? I've got to listen. I got to listen in order to be effective. Yes, and and another way I mentioned asking people in advance, but also during the process of speaking, the more interactive you make that presentation, that process of speaking, the more it's conversational, the more you ask, what do you think of that? Or you, you, you ask them questions as well as answering questions. So the more interactive it is, the less it will seem like preaching or pressuring people. And, and you, the more opportunity you have to actually inspire people. And I think this thing of inspiring people is really valuable. And, and many managers, especially in certain fields, you know, maybe technical fields or something like that, they don't think that that's their job to inspire, but it always is. If you're working with a team or the team is working for you or whatever it is, in order to get your goals done, you do need to motivate them. Motivation is just another word for, you know, inspiration. And you do need to do that. You know, um, Dan Pink uh, has written a book called Drive, mm -hmm. and yeah, he, he cites in there some, you know, it's, it's an interesting uh, read. It's a very short read, actually, but the, the truth about what motivates uh, and external uh, extrinsic motivators don't tend to work particularly well in the long run. And intrinsic motivators are difficult to, you know, to actually access because uh, people don't listen. You know, people don't listen. And... Uh, and he's identified three components on this. One is, you know, the experience of autonomy. Yeah, people don't like to be told what to do. They want to be right. able to, you know, there's a discovery thing that kind of goes on there. The other one has to do with connection to purpose. And this kind of goes back to the whole, you know, for the sake of what are we, at? Yeah, we asking you to do this? And then the other one is the opportunity for mastery. Uh, you know, being able to master something is unbelievably fulfilling. Yes, it is. That's right. And, and yeah, go ahead, because I, I, I'm just kind of planting that seed here, because when we're looking at how we communicate opportunities or possibilities, those three components oftentimes are not paid attention to, in my experience. And they are part of motivating and inspiring people. And, and, as, and at, if you can integrate those points as you speak and say, this is what it would, you know, imagine what it would be like if we could do this. And if, and if you could have this new skill, you know, that's like the mastery thing or, and, and I was just listening to something about uh, people going back to work after COVID and people were saying, somebody did a survey and that people were willing to take a cut in pay in order to stay home. Some people, not everybody. And that yeah. people, that, that businesses didn't realize how important it was to them. And that's a good example of some kind of, intrinsic intrinsic motivation that I have to, you know, not not travel so much or, you know, be at home where it's comfortable or be with my family. And, and if we're not sensitive to that and we don't realize that, we don't feel that, then there's this subtle resentment that builds up in employees that affects their, their productivity all the time, even if they're not really aware of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you've written um, 11 published books, and, and there's been 25 editions. Uh, and these have been published by McGraw-Hill, Wiley, and, and, and you know, yeah, and so, I mean, you've got a, a pretty, you've got a library <laughs> of, of work yes. that is organized and oriented around being more productive and effective, yeah, in life as well as in the workplace. Um, just you know, out of curiosity, what got you on this track? Well, so funnily enough, what got me on the track of first editing, doing some technical editing for technical books and then writing them was simply that I had little kids at home. Uh, my kids are 31 and 33 now, so it seems pretty funny, but um, they were, you know, one and three or two and four at the time, and I needed to work at home. And I had this opportunity first to do some technical editing and and then my first book was on AutoCAD, which is a drafting program. And oh boy, I remember that. I remember that. Oh, it's still around. I don't write the book yeah. anymore, but that one went through 17 editions and ended up being 1,200 pages long. It was like this massive book. And it, it was updated almost every year. So, but, but to, to get to that point, and, and I knew AutoCAD, obviously, uh, but the, the opportunity to work at home was really was at was really uh, valuable to me and, Autonomy. and and then I wrote books on PowerPoint uh, and you might think they're completely separate but actually the graphic side of it the visual side of it is something that they both have in common and and then after a while and then I started uh, creating a, a, an author platform and that was ellenfinkelstein.com and I did wrote blog posts and I developed a mailing list and then I realized that I could I could sell my own books myself. I didn't have to go with publishers. And so then I sort of switched over to just selling eBooks on, on my own website. And that was a big change for me, uh, getting into that whole internet marketing thing. But it came out of the that opportunity uh, of writing those books, both on AutoCAD and PowerPoint, mostly. I wrote Flash, co-wrote Flash for Dummies. I, I have a bunch of different books, but mostly the, the, the focus was on AutoCAD and then PowerPoint. <laughs> And then PowerPoint, yeah. And yeah, how to be more elegant in, in terms of how you use both is, is kind of my takeaway from, from that. And I'm, I'm struck by you know, the opportunity to work from home, even back then, I mean, going back, you know, what, 20 plus odd years. Yeah, 1989, economy, 1990, 1991, around then, yeah. Yeah, so if, if we're looking at you know, motivation, yeah, the, the great resignation is going on right now, you know, quote, unquote, the great resignation. Employers that aren't paying attention to why that's occurring are going to be really, uh, I think, in a, uh, in a very dangerous deficit position in terms of their ability to do what they need to do to be productive and to have the results that they want to have, not only monetarily, but also in getting their services and products out to market. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned... Um, yeah, not only ellenfinkelson.com, uh, but, but there's another one that I wanted to talk about here, and it has to do with the online marketing piece. Yes. Uh, yeah, changetheworldmarketing.com is the uh, the website. And I want to, you know, folks, as you're listening to this, I want you to bookmark this on, on your, uh, your browser, changetheworldmarketing.com. It is a phenomenal resource site that I absolutely say you. you need to check out. Uh, there is, particularly if you're looking at, you know, 
taking advantage of, and you'd be a fool not to, taking advantage of the digital or the opportunity that a digital uh, president, uh, presidents, that, that a digital presence actually offers uh, for how you go to market. Talk a little bit about, well, actually, what I'm going to do real quick here, I'm going to just do this real quick. We're going to take a real brief break. So I've, I've teed this up. When we come back from the break, I'm going to have you know, this change the world marketing uh, conversation with you because how you go to market makes such a difference. And this is one of the things that you are absolutely an expert and a master in, I believe, just in the, the, the time that I've gotten to know you. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. Well, thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Soul of Business, obviously, with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, my guest today, Ellen Finkelstein. Um, before we took the break, um, I had teed up uh, a website that uh, Ellen has got, changetheworldmarketing.com. Uh, Ellen, what com yeah, compelled you to actually move into that space? Because that's a little bit different. Uh, actually, it's significantly different than the other work that you had been doing up until this actually began to happen. And you're doing quite well with this area. Yes. So ellenfinkelstein.com was an author platform for my books. And I started developing that as an author platform. In that time, which is, again, maybe 1991, around then, it was I, 1990. Well, it was a little bit later than that. 1999 is when I started that website. And publishers were not keeping up with the internet. So they had been used to marketing their books more or less by buying shelf space on bookstores and they just didn't get it. And so authors started doing their own marketing, which is really what it was. And so as I developed that, and then I started writing my own books and selling my own, you know, self-publishing books and selling them online to the list that I had been developing, I learned how to create websites. I learned how to do email marketing. I learned how to do content, which of course content was the thing I was an expert at because I'd written all of these books, but I'd learned all of that. And then I, I did a course in my, I live in a town, Fairfield, Iowa, that's very small, about 10,000 people. And it's a community, it's a, a college town, but there aren't a lot of jobs there. And so I was trying to help local people there 
create their own work by creating an online business. And so I did this in my living room and I showed them how to create a website and how to create a free offer and all of the things that you create some product and how to sell it, how to do a sales page. And I created Change the World Marketing as a like a, a test for it, to, just to show I was creating it as I was teaching them. And then I just realized I loved teaching that so much that that became ended up really becoming uh, my main business, I would say. And so there I have all sorts of resources about creating an online business and using the knowledge that you have to get it out to the world. Like you want to change the world. If you have this knowledge, you feel it can help people. How do you get it out to the world using uh, with online products, online courses? And I believe that this is valuable, not only in and of itself, just to take that knowledge and help people and then make an income from it, but even for people who are really more service oriented, like consultants or coaches, that they also need products to serve as a bridge between people finding out who they are and, and then making the plunge to actually buying services, which are usually more expensive. If you have something in, in the middle where people can take a taste of it, it's really, really valuable. And businesses are starting, you know, this whole thing of content marketing is a big buzzword. And so, but people, many businesses think of it just as writing a useful blog post or something like that. But businesses can really educate their customers or their potential customers, really help them out and create this loyalty because they've been, people have been helped by it so that they, people will buy from them when it's, when they're ready to buy. Yeah. And <clears throat> Yeah, that that the idea to fill that gap, particularly, you know, man, that's just one of the things. I mean, I'm a service provider. I'm a consultant. I'm a coach, uh, and as particularly this last year and a half with COVID and whatnot, uh, I've had to you know, look at how I transition because I never, you know, my, my, historically, I, I worked with large enterprise organizations and it was all on site and my marketing was word of mouth. I mean, I never right. in, in thirty. You know, I founded the company in '87. And we never marketed. We, we literally never marketed. And we ended up growing phenomenally, had offices in five countries. And, and it was all word of mouth and services. That's all I delivered was services. There was no product per se. Right, right. Well, you know, last year, the world changed. <laughs> it did, it did. In 2020, the world changed. And it was, it was interesting for me. And, and this is the, I love this conversation because that gap, I wasn't aware that I needed to fill that gap between my knowledge, the service I delivered, and the bite that people needed to have in order to really go, oh, there's something here. And, and, it's, a, and it's a small barrier to entry. There's, you know, it, it doesn't cost a lot of money. And then we have conversation about what else could be offered. How do you work with, with you know, clients, in, whether you know, a restauranteur or a service provider like a coach, what would be some of the things that you would actually invite them to pay attention to were they to work with you to understand how to fill that gap? So first you have to figure out if you have an audience of people who aren't buying. And, and you, if you want to grow your business, you need to develop an audience of potential clients or customers. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you mentioned a restaurant, for example. So and, and this is a true of a lot of retail stores. During COVID, if restaurants hadn't built an email list of their customers, they had 
almost no way of contacting them. But those that were smart, and occasionally you will go into a restaurant and they'll ask you to fill in your email address and they'll say, if you sign up, then we'll give you 10% off your next meal or you know something like that. A gift store is another good example. These are places where people don't have to go. So yep. they're not forced to go there. You know, the, the grocery stores didn't have, supermarkets didn't have to do this. You had to get food. But there are places that are optional. And if you had created an email list, you could say, we're still open. We will deliver. You, you can do, you know, curbside delivery. Uh, you can make an appointment, you know, and later on you could say we're all vaccinated. You know, if you come in, you know, people are making people wear masks or whatever, you know, whatever they're saying. So you could contact people. You, you could connect with people and you could continue your business. And so this is true also of like coaches and consultants. Uh, they tend to have small lists because like you said, it was just word of mouth. So you didn't need a list of, of people. Yeah. So you start by creating that list of people who might be interested. And you do that on your website by having something for free that will solve a problem that they have. And there are lots of ways of promoting, promoting it. You can partner with other people. Uh, basically, what we're doing now is a type of partnership. You're promoting me. And when this goes up, I'll promote you. And so on like that. So, so you work with other people. And there are lots of places on social media where you can post. And of course, you can go with ads if you want. Uh, but whatever you want to do, you develop the system. And then you start helping people. You start educating people with whatever the problem is that you, that you solve. And you just talk to people and you and you always encourage them to respond. And that's how you get into one-on-one -on -one conversations. So they sign up for that, whatever that free offer is. And then the first email they get, you know, here's where you download it. Let click reply and let me know what you're working on. You know, why did you sign? Why did you request this? You know, how can I help you further? Let's just talk or whatever it is, you know. And so you encourage people to go into these one-on-one -on -one conversations. You know, it's I, I love this in the sense that, first of all, all an organization is, from my perspective, is a collection of people that are in relationship. That's all any organization is. Yeah. And not just a nuclear relationship, but the broadest sense of, of relationship. I'm, you know, I've got relationships with my stakeholders, my customers, my clients, uh, my workmates, all that stuff. To the degree that the relationships are working well, you're going to have a pretty successful organization, typically. Now... That being said, how do you have successful working relationships? Conversation. Mm -hmm. Conversation is the catalyst for a successful working relationship. Intentional conversation. And this is one of the things that I hear you speaking to is you know, creating a, 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 a structure that allows for intentional conversation that serves a need and actually you know, positions you know, the organization to be a resource. You know, whether it's you know, a restaurant providing food <laughs> or a consultant or a coach providing a service. The idea of um, uh, communication, I keep coming back to this, you know, specifically with you, because you are, in my estimation here, and we've got a mutual friend, Bill Pratter. Yeah, when Bill first introduced me to you, he said, if you want to learn about communication, you need to talk to Ellen. Uh, she is absolutely masterful at being able to position narrative to position messaging. And this, this idea of how you do that. Um, and I want to kind of end with this. Uh, you know, we've got about four or five minutes here left. Uh, 
I guess where I'm going with this question is how did I mean and when when I'm speaking with masters and and I'm going to put you in that category, Thank you. how they got to be a master sometimes is a mystery even to them. I mean, we were talking to Thomas Keller not too long ago, and I say we a friend of mine uh, and I were talking to Thomas, you know, the, the chef. And how did you get to be such a great chef? And he's like, yeah, that is a really interesting question because it's not about cooking. It's not about ingredient measuring and all that kind of stuff. He, and he paused and he reflected for a while and he said, you know, I'm a really good taster. <laughs> and we went, well, uh, unbundle that a little bit. What do you mean by a good taster? He says, well, you know, obviously I taste with my tongue and I, you know, I, mean, I, I know the difference between sweet and sour and all that kind of stuff, but I taste with my eyes too. Mm -hmm. I, I see how the, the plates look. I look at the menu and I taste the sequence of how the food will come out and the pairings. So, yeah, if I had a secret power or a secret you know, you know, superpower, it would be tasting. So, with that kind of a preamble, as a master communicator, what makes you a master? I really like that example of the cook because, as being a master taster, he is looking at it from the point of view of his audience of the people who are eating his food rather than thinking, you know, what he, what he thinks. And so I, I think for me, it's it, the way I've learned what I've learned is first of all, I love to learn. So I have a lot of trainers on my list and I once asked, why are so many trainers here? And they said, well, we trained and we love to learn, you know? <laughs> and so I think a lot of what I learned was just because I love, I love to learn. And I, part of the way I learn is by listening to people and hearing what they want. So for example, I just recently, uh, we have a Facebook group, Change the World Marketing Facebook group, and we just got a thousand members and we had a little celebration thing. And I asked people to just say in the comments and they would win prizes, you know, and it was a little prizes that I was giving out. What are you working on now? What's important to you? What's next? What are your goals? And so in doing so, I found out what was important to people. And then I could offer people what they what they needed next. And so I, I think that is really, really important. And I think part of it you is just paying attention to the feedback that you get. So you speak something out and then you see what people say about it. And, and you just learn from that process. And I think if, you know, there are people who are afraid to speak, who feel really uncomfortable speaking in public, and you just have to kind of prepare a lot, practice, and, and get that little marketing research we talked about at the very beginning about asking people and so on like that. So you, you ask people, you prepare, you practice, and then you just do it, even if it's scary, because it is at first. And then you get feedback. And that's it's a loop that helps you communicate better. And especially when you speak with integrity and compassion, I guess I would say, you know, yeah. that you, you know, you speak with the idea that you kind of like you love your audience. It's kind of a funny way to mm -hmm. put it, but that you care about your audience maybe is a better way yeah. of saying it. With that attitude, people will really appreciate what you have to say. You know, you use the word compassion. And, you know, I, you know this book over those of you that are watching this, uh, the Compassionate Capitalism, you know, a journey to the soul of business. Uh, it's impossible to be compassionate about something that I don't feel connected to. 
So I think in this kind of goes back to the whole notion of relationship. Mm -hmm. If I, if I'm not connected, I'm not going to be effective, you know, kind of period the end. <laughs> if I'm not connected to my body, I, I mean, we can go on all kinds. Of, if I, if I'm not connected to gravity, I'm going to have difficulty work, uh, walking. <laughs> so it's kind of uh, all kinds of stuff here. Uh, Ellen, um, I'm, how are you leaving it better than you found it? It's kind I'm, of a I'm sequitur question. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm hoping to, first of all, in the area of presentation specifically, to have made a big enough mark that people know not to use death by PowerPoint, to, to have gotten across the fact that it's just a really poor way to communicate, even though people are attracted to it because it seems easy, the easier way to do it. So I think in the 10, 20 years I've been doing this, I think most people know, even if they don't know what else to do, that death by PowerPoint is, is a bad thing to do, uh, that it's not good communication. And in terms of online business, working online, I think that I'm just helping people get their knowledge out to the world. I, I really, what's so wonderful about doing that is that I feel like I'm helping the world sort of through those people. So I have the most wonderful clients and the wonderful customers. They have this amazing knowledge. They're amazing experts that they want to get out to the world. And, and through my, with me supporting them doing that, I'm helping them make the world a better place. So that's, that's why I called it Change the World Marketing. When I created it, I said, those are the people that I want to work with. It's been rewarding. Uh, folks, thank you, Ellen. Um, you've been listening to Ellen Finkelstein. Um, Changetheworldmarketing.com. Absolutely do not hesitate. Don't pass go. Don't wait to collect $200. Just go to that website right now. Changetheworldmarketing.com. My guest today, Ellen Finkelstein, thank you so much for taking the time. I've loved this conversation. And you've been listening to The Solo Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, you can find out more about what I'm up to at blainebartlett.com. Uh, as a matter of fact, there is a free offer on that website. Um, you can find out a little bit more about employee engagement, how to create greater engagement in the, in the workplace. That's a free download on an ebook. Feel free to fill out the form and you will get the ebook and we will have a conversation. Thanks, Thanks for listening, folks. Blaine. And until next time, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>